Welcome to The Wonder, exploring perspectives, rituals, and observances of modern naturalistic, earth-revering, pagan religious paths. Here are your hosts, Yucca and Mark. Welcome back to The Wonder, science-based paganism. I'm one of your hosts, Yucca. And I'm the other one, Mark. And this episode, we're talking about adversity. So some of what's going on in the world right now, personal adversity, how we can deal with that, address that, and really all those topics surrounding that. Yeah. um, Every week as we talk about what we're going to discuss, the the challenge of these times really comes to us. Mm -hmm. And it's not that other times haven't had their own challenges because they certainly have, but the challenges that face these times that we're living in right now are so extreme and so severe and so ubiquitous that even, even people who are generally pretty privileged are still impacted by them. Mm-hmm. Only, only the, the fabulously wealthy are able to sort of skate on being impacted by the things that are, that are putting pressure on us humans as we try to live our daily lives. And so we thought that it would be good to kind of come at this head on this week and talk about adversity and approaches to it and how our spiritual and ritual practices can help us with that. Mm -hmm. And just kind of try to map out the territory a little bit on what it feels like when you feel threatened, when, when, when bad things are happening and they hurt and they scare you and then you're, you're challenged in knowing what to do. Yeah. So one of the things that we could start with is thinking about when you are faced with adversity, with taking a look at it and really honestly examining what's going on and what components you have control over and which ones you don't. Because we can take things really personal sometimes that you had no control over that forest fire or that hurricane or realistically the the state of the economy, you as an individual, it's what the Stoics would call inconsequential, right? Not that it doesn't matter, but that you don't control it. You don't have direct influence over it. But there are some things that you do have control over, like your responses. Yeah. Right. And being able to make that differentiation, having the discernment is really important. And some of what's required for that is to be able to step back emotionally a little bit, kind of calm Mm-hmm. The, the the panic feelings and or or the the hurt feelings which takes and practice it does take practice and you know the grounding procedures that we've talked about here on this podcast many times are super useful for that meditation entering into ritual trance states all of those things can really help you with being able to step back and take a dispassionate look as much as possible at the circumstances that you're in, and then really try to sift out, okay, 
This is stuff I have some impact over. This is stuff that I can influence. This is stuff that's beyond my control. And I, I, either that or it's only very marginally within my control. Mm -hmm. And so as I approach this adversity, I'm going to put most of my effort into the things that I actually have a lot of influence over. Right. Right. I can affect my own behavior. I can affect my own mentality. And a part of what, what is required to get to that decision is to abandon narratives that have to do with personal failure, personal lack of worthiness, or, or a general sort of despair at the nature of the world. Mm -hmm. Because all of those are very disempowering. You know, if, if, you're, if the place that you're stuck in confronting an adverse situation is, why does this always happen to me? Or it's hopeless. The world is just like that. Mm -hmm. Then it's very difficult for you to be able to make any changes that are going to improve your situation. Right. So that involves working with that inner critic voice and with your own self-esteem, all the kinds of things we've been talking about throughout this podcast, you know, relationships feed us and the relationship that feeds us more than any other is our relationship with ourselves. Yeah. It's comes from a Christian tradition, but I've always been quite fond of the serenity prayer and modified it. So the, it goes, may have the serenity to accept the things that I cannot change the courage to change the things that I can and the wisdom to know the difference. There it is. Yeah. Reinhold Niebuhr. Right. And so that was a slightly modified version because I don't want to start with, oh, God and Heavenly Father, because I don't think it's coming from anyone else. Right. This is mm -hmm. this is coming from inside. This is coming from us and our our view on the world and our view on ourselves. But mm -hmm. I think it's a really uh, useful framework for that. Yes. And part of what it does is it it calls on certain capacities within us that all of us have, right? We all have the capacity to be serene and dispassionate. We all have the capacity to be courageous and we all have the capacity to be discerning, right? right? And those are the kinds of things that we need to bring to bear when we're in an adverse situation. So really at the very beginning, there's that, there's that winnowing out of what can I do and what is unlikely to be influenceable by my actions? Mm -hmm. And this is a place where we differ quite a bit from much of the rest of the pagan community. Because in the, in the mainstream pagan community where people believe in gods and in literal magic, they think they can influence stuff like decisions in Congress by having, or a decision at the Supreme Court by having a ritual right, and praying to their gods. Now, I think those and, things can be influenced, but oh, with, yes. act, with action, yes. right? Not necessarily ritual. Right. Yeah. And we, in our naturalistic, non-theist, pagan, science-based pagan traditions, do not believe that we have super powerful beings to appeal to. Mm -hmm. 
it's it's all about us we're we're here on earth and when when these things happen or change it's going to be because we make them do that we meaning humanity writ large right so this is an important distinction right and to my mind it's an empowering distinction too often have i heard in the pagan community oh well that's up to the gods mm -hmm. which is a dereliction of responsibility in my opinion right we do have a responsibility for the kind of government that we have we do have a responsibility for for the kind of world and culture that we're building and that extends from everything from the way that we treat one another mm -hmm. all the way to our specific activism in favor of policies that are more kind and more inclusive and more just right and going back to what you to what we were talking about before though another waves of talking about this that is all true but none of us are the chosen one right there is there's not a chosen one who we individually are going to make that happen and because the supreme court makes a decision that we don't want that doesn't make it our individual fault that we need to have shame about because we didn't work hard enough we didn't do enough we didn't you know we weren't enough 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 this is something that we as humanity we as a community have influence over but we're members of the community we are not all of humanity right. individually yeah that's the flip side of this is not over imagining the degree of power that you have each of us is a powerful person but we're also just a person. Yeah. And so not having exaggerated or inflated ideas of your own personal influence or underestimated and discounted ideas of your own personal influence, I think is very important. We talk a lot about paying attention in this podcast, paying attention to the cycles of nature, paying attention to what creatures are are thriving and living and going through their life cycles at any given time of the year, paying attention to what's going on inside you so that you can grow and learn and, and become happier and freer and, you know, a more actualized person. And that kind of paying attention is also necessary when it comes to understanding our limits mm -hmm. as well as our capacities. Yeah where are we now we we've talked about adversity and the discernment process do we want to go into then what we can do having having sifted out the things that we have influence over yeah i think i mean there's definitely there's so many different directions to come at this from there's different kinds of adversity right yes. there's there's personal kind of individual challenges there might be the interpersonal relationship between you and your partner or family member but then there's kind of there's other scales of things there's job loss and sickness and those sorts of things and then and then really big scale things that are impacting everybody with like climate change and fires and hurricanes and global economics war so there's right. all of these different scales but a lot of the things that we can do 
on an emotional kind of spiritual level are going to be very similar responses to those in terms of how we can take care of ourselves. But one of the places we could start with is talking about preparing oneself mm-hmm. to face adversities because we're going to, you don't know yes. what it's going to be in your life. You know, maybe, maybe you're going to be lucky and it's only going to be challenge interpersonal challenges. Right. But mm-hmm maybe you're going to have to evacuate in two years. Maybe there's going to be a car crash and not to be fear-mongering here, but these are, these are possibilities to think about. Right. These um, are things that happen to people. Yeah. And they're the reasons why people buy insurance. The, where was I going with this? The, the step I think we can take after having made that discernment is to having identified what we don't have much influence over, we don't abandon that, we put it aside. Mm -hmm. So on an issue like climate change, yes, we don't have much influence as individuals over it. And believe me, if you've been sold this idea that it's all up to the consumer to solve carbon in the atmosphere, please disabuse yourself of that because there's about 500 companies in the world that produce something like 70% of the carbon pollution in the world. It's their fault. It's not our fault. And we really need to be active to be reducing those emissions because that's where the big problem is. Right. So, so, so focusing, finding where are the points, where are the places that's going to make the biggest impact, whether it is looking at something like, okay, how do we tackle carbon emissions? Where do we put the majority of our focus? But that could also be, okay, my family is going through financial struggles right now, right? Where can I put my focus in a place that it's going to be the most impactful, right? There may be some things that you normally wouldn't do. You normally wouldn't let them have screen quite as much as they're having or something like that. But what's going to make the big impact? So if I may, on just a very practical level, something that actually this is what we were doing in the house this week this was our inventory week where we mm. were going through and looking at all the stuff that we have and we like to have about 6 months worth of if we couldn't go anywhere for 6 months would we have enough water would we have enough food would we have it? and you know that took us years to get to that point we didn't just mm. buy 6 months of stuff all at once cuz we were low income it took a lot but going through and going okay what do we need to what do we need to be preparing for, right? Do we have, we live in an area that has forest fires. So do we have a bag in the car that has stuff for everybody? Do we know where the, do we know where all our documents are? Do we know where there's cat food, all those things and getting all of that together so that we don't want there to ever be a situation in which we'd have to stay home for a month, but Hey, that actually just happened, right? Two years mm-hmm. ago, we you know couldn't go anywhere. Or we don't want to be in a situation where we'd have to pack up and leave. But if we are, we want to be prepared for that and not like from a fearful place, right? We don't want to do it as like, oh no, we're scared or that sort of thing. But from a place of of wanting to take care of ourselves, but also wanting to take care of our community from a social responsibility place. Because if, if we don't have to take the resources, there's a limited number of resources for when disasters happen. 
there's only a limited number of first responders. There's a limited number of that. We don't want to be taking those resources that could be for somebody else who needs it more than us. So I really encourage people to have a little bit, you know, even if it's just a few, just look at, you know, whatever it is for your situation. Maybe it's just four or five days of water and food or things like that. Do you have a flashlight, those sorts of things, just to be prepared in the case that something happens, you're going to be in a better place. So you have that physical side that we talk about a lot in terms of self-care. We talk about the health side. How do you take care of yourself and your household and your, and your community and your, your loved ones in before that all happens? Um, Right. And I think it's important to notice as we talk about that kind of preparation, that means you're already in adversity. The disaster hasn't happened, but the pressure that the possibility of the disaster puts on you means you're already in a situation where you're dealing with adversity. Right. right? Because if, if unlike either of us, you lived in an area where there wasn't a danger of wildfires, then you wouldn't have to do that kind of preparation, right? Yeah. There might be something else like Maybe tornadoes or hurricanes or, or floods you know, or earthquakes yeah. or whatever, but you, you're, you're not concerned about wildfires because that's just not something that happens in your area. So I think that just being aware of the places where we feel those pressures is really important. Mm-hmm. You know, understanding, hey, it's, it's wearing on me that in the back of my mind all the time is this possibility that is really negative yeah. for me. So I've been talking about this almost a year ago, I lost my job. Mm-hmm. And I've been looking for a job ever since. And just this past week had another job where there were two final candidates and I'm not the one who got the job. Mm-hmm. And I'll be talking more about that later in the podcast in terms of what I can do relative to what's out of my control. It is in my mind all the time, all the time that we're broke. We don't have money. We, we, we don't know how, where the money is going to come from to pay for July's rent yet. Um, we, you know, we're in danger. And that danger is in the back of my mind all the time. And that's stressful. It puts stress on us. So be aware of the stressors that are in your life, even if they f- feel like maybe long shots. If you feel enough urgency to do some preparation against something happening, it means that it's stressing you that it's possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we've been talking a little bit about some of the, you know, just practical things one can do, but there's also the practice side, Mm -hmm. right? So there is the practice of practicing grounding, right? Really just taking those deep breaths, kind of letting that tension out or whatever it is that you do. Some people use visualization with that, you know, imagining a tree or things like that are very, are very common ones. Getting in the habit of having something like that or having a meditation practice or having your daily moment in front of your focus, those sorts of things can start to build up some emotional resiliency so that when you are facing, whether it's those 
those those kind of in the background, low key ones that we were just talking about, that pressure in the back of your mind of, is there going to be a forest fire? Is there going to be a this? Is the, the food prices, whatever it is, you can be addressing those. But then if something does happen, if you do have to evacuate, if you have lost your job, if you do have that blowout fight with your spouse or whatever it is, you've got something that you've been practicing that you can that you can go to, that you can use. It can help bring you back to center. Yeah. Yes. Because we don't make good decisions when we're not centered. And often that can compound a bad situation and make it worse. So it, you, you really want not to make decisions when you're in the heat of the fear or the anger. That's just not a good time to be making decisions about how to approach the challenges in your life. Right. I find that my atheopagan practice serves me in three different ways as I contend with the adversity in my life. The first is that it helps me feel better connected with nature. And nature is a tremendous solace to me, even though it is, you know, so beleaguered and besieged by all the damage that has been done. Still, the fabric of life on this earth at some level is thriving. It's, you know, there's still life everywhere. Mm -hmm. It may not be the life that we would like to be there in terms of endangered of invasive species and so forth but it's still life and it's still turning its leaves to the sun and making sugar and feeding those webs of life all over the world and to me that's a very beautiful thing and it helps give me some perspective about the temporary and small nature of my problems mm-hmm mm-hmm the second thing that it does for me is direct psychological calming. The, the ritual practices that I have, like saying my Ethiopian rosary, for example, it's, it's good for my self-esteem. It's good for my sense of the world. It's good for my relationship with my fellow humans. It, it just helps me, those kinds of practices. And then the third method, and I think this is something we should expand on a lot, is because it makes me a part of a community. Mm -hmm. And we talk a lot in the United States, especially about how alienated people are in this culture. Families splinter and, you know, scatter to the far corners of the country or the world. Families are not particularly intimate with one another. And often, in fact, they're really at one another's throats. Mm -hmm. People don't tend to make friends after school, after college, which is something that was shocking to me because I have lots of friends that I've made <laughs> after college. But in fact, I don't have any friends from college that that chapter has come and gone. But the sense of being alone against it all is really prevalent in our society. And that's just terrible. The way that humans have contended with every adversity historically through our evolution has been collectively mm -hmm. as a group. You know, we've solved problems together and we've supported one another in solving those problems. And so being a part of the Ethiopian community, even though we mostly meet online, that has provided a tremendous sense of belonging and support and shared worldview to me 
you know, a common set of values that really helps me to feel held and valued and seen, mm -hmm. all of which are just so important for us psychologically. So, and, you know, being a part of the pagan community generally, which is a, you know, a larger subculture, similarly helps me to do that. The, the, the upshot of what I'm saying is that if you, if you're alone, if you're really alone, if you don't have people in your life with whom you can talk about your deep experience, that's something to work on. Mm -hmm. Because honestly, that's your lifeline. That's, that's the, that's, those are the relationships that will save you when you need saving and that where you can save them in turn. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is what people go to mainstream religions for all the time. You know, there are plenty of people attending churches out there who are not necessarily believers in either the supernatural stuff in their holy texts or, or in the values that are being espoused from the pulpit, but it gives them a sense of belonging to a group of people who share something in common and can therefore speak a language that alludes to those things that they have in common and share cookouts and picnics and potlucks and study groups and all those kinds of things you know belonging is so important for us humans and american culture has just shattered us into these individuals and individualism is a it's a particularly pernicious aspect of our culture it's mm -hmm. not that it's not that we shouldn't develop ourselves and actualize ourselves individually to the greatest degree possible, but we need to do that in the context of a group. Hmm. It's a, what, how do they say a mixed can, right? Yes. It has some really, really very helpful, positive things to it. And there's some others like what you've been talking about this isolation. There's, there's a lot that we lose from it too. Right. So. Right. And, and, you know, in its extreme, you know, like political libertarianism, that kind of stuff, it turns into this very adversarial us versus them, you know, kind of mean spirited. I don't care about you. You've got to take care of yourself sort of mentality that honestly, it doesn't serve anyone. It doesn't serve the people who espouse it. It doesn't serve the people who are around them. It doesn't serve the society as a whole. It's just not, it's not helpful. Hmm. So that's one of the things that we can do though, is the seeking and building, really growing and cultivating community. And that's something that can be helpful before, during, and after adversity. Yes. Some sometimes there's a lot of of trauma that you're going to come out with and healing that and recovery that is needed and ritual practice. We talk all the time about ritual on this podcast, right? That's an incredible tool. And then also having that love and support and that sense of belonging that in itself can do so much to help with the process. Absolutely. It. And what's amazing is that 
it can help with the process, even if it's not helping with any of the practical considerations. Like if I go to my community and I say, you know, I'm desperate and I can't find a job, there are some practical things that they can do, like increase donations to my Patreon, which mm -hmm. people have been doing lately, which is a wonderful thing. And I'm so grateful to all the people that have pitched in on that. But a lot of the things that they can do are things that aren't practical and they're still absolutely important just simply by saying, I see you, I understand your struggle. I, I, I empathize with where you are. I'm here to hear your, your, your struggle, your sorrow, mm -hmm. your fear. I'm here for that. And too few of us have that in their lives, I think, even within intimate relationships, certainly for men. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, you know, heterosexual men, I don't think are going to their partners very often and saying, I'm scared. Yeah. Or what I really we've need help done with this as a culture to our men, I think is just is so, is so painful. It's tragic. It yeah. really is. And as somebody that works very hard not to be a part of toxic masculinity. And that's always a work in progress. It's like trying to be anti-racist, right? It's mm -hmm. like, it's, you never get there. There's always more to be learned and done. But one of the things that I am very grateful for is that I am, I have many people in my life that I can go to, you know, with my deepest feelings and tell them and know that they will be received well and in the spirit in which they were intended mm -hmm. yeah what a difference yeah yeah it, it it makes a huge difference and I, I think you know i was reflecting on this about the sun tree retreat recently because i've particularly a couple of men who were there were talking about it afterwards as an unprecedented experience for them and I believe that part of the unprecedented experience was the degree of personal disclosiveness that people were sharing there, you know, mm -hmm. the degree of emotional openness. And I just think that's sad. And what's, and what's hard is then they have to go back to their lives where they don't have that. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and I just feel like there's so much work to be done but it can be done so much more effectively if we do it together. Mm -hmm. And that's why I invest a ton of effort in building community, like-minded community, because if we can rally around a set of understandings of the nature of the world and values that we consider to be just and kind and, and right and practices that we share together in order to enjoy and, you know, contend with this complicated life, then I think we're really getting somewhere. Mm -hmm. And that's why I do this podcast. <laughs> why I do a lot of things. It's, it's why I'm in the nonprofit sector professionally, because I want to contribute to a society that is kinder and more just and more sustainable rather than making widgets or selling widgets or transporting widgets or processing widgets. Right. So I just drew a complete blank. 
I I had something and it left. I hate it when that happens. <laughs> well, you had mentioned wanting to talk about your bigs. Oh yeah, this is something that occurred to me. It's got to be more than ten years ago now. I was thinking about wisdom, and wisdom is an awkward word. I've I've actually. I'm working on it. I've been working for more than a year on a blog post that will eventually be published about wisdom. Wisdom is an awkward word because it's kind of cringy. When we talk about wisdom, people get uncomfortable. They're like, oh, wisdom, you're, you're going to whip some wisdom on me. It's used more sarcastically than anything else. But the truth is that as we age, as we grow, as we have experiences, as we learn things, as we discover more about ourselves, we become wiser. Mm -hmm. We become better able to make the right decision, to say the right thing at the right time, to extend the right kind of kindness to another person, and to live our lives in a manner that facilitates our happiness and our growth, rather than contravening it or thwarting it. It occurred to me that much of my perspective on the world comes down to three axiomatic big things. And I'll explain what those are now. And I, I just believe that if you can really get at a deep level these three big things, your life just gets a lot better. So here they are. The first is the big okay. And the big okay is simply acceptance of the world as it is. This world is filled with beauty and horror and everything in between. And at some level, we have to stop resisting it, saying, oh, I wish it were this way, or I wish I'd done that, or, you know, you didn't do that. You did something else. And the world isn't as you wish. It is as it is. And at some level, we simply have to accept it in order to be able to encounter it and navigate through it. Now, that doesn't mean that we have to accept all conditions. We can still struggle for justice and for equality and for kindness and for sustainability. All of those things are important. So I'm not saying, you know, that in this very Buddhistic sort of sense, we should just, you know, ex have universal acceptance of everything as it is. But we have to at least acknowledge the fact that that's the way it is, mm -hmm. right? right? We have to have to at least cop to the fact that, you know, like it or not, Donald Trump was elected president. You can <laughs> argue about what the electoral college process is and all that, but like it or not, that's a fact. So that's the big okay. And the next is the big thank you, which is gratitude for having been gifted this highly improbable life that each of us has the odds are astronomically against any one of us in our unique genetic combination and epigenetic experience of being raised would become the person that we are right and it is a treasure it is the treasure of our existence Mm -hmm. And so being able to get to a point of gratitude and seeing all of the many, many, many gifts of beauty and grace and generosity and kindness that we experience in our lives, everything from somebody moving over on the freeway to let you into a lane, 
to the blooming of a rose in your flower garden in, you know, on a given day. Well, and all the billions of things that you have, that, that died for you to be alive, right? All the, every little sprout you ate, every animal, every egg, every, all of it. All those sacrifices. And so thank you. Thank you to all of those things. Thank you to everything that contributes to my being here. And thank you for all the things that help to make it beautiful. So that's Mm -hmm. the big thank you. And then the last of the three big lessons that I think that if you get them deeply, it helps you to be a happy person on a path that, that will help you to grow consistently is what I call the big wow. (laughs) and that's just awe at the nature of the universe it is and and of this world particularly the biosphere it's just awe-inspiring that this is going on yeah look at your Um, hand that's yeah exploded star (laughs) yep it is yeah and it's got a a condensed ring of exploded star around it of supernova product because you don't get gold without those kinds of pressures yeah the big wow is something that i come back to again and again and that feeling of awe is well we named the podcast after it wonder (laughs) right if you're missing that in your life go find it because this is amazing all of this that's going on is just amazing and you know, I was a pretty depressed kid, but I remember at four years old going to the Grand Canyon because, oh my God, (laughs) oh my God, the Grand Canyon. And there's no image that can do it justice. Yeah. It's just simply awe-inspiring. It, it is, wow. It is breathtaking. (laughs) Yeah. So those are my three big keys to finding a way to settle into life where you don't feel like a victim Mm -hmm. where you don't spin your wheels on hypotheticals you know what if i had done this what if what if life weren't like this what if this person wasn't like that you know that's a lot of energy that you can burn on stuff that just makes you feel bad yeah and my Ethiopian practice helps bring me into contact with those three lessons a lot. I feel a lot of gratitude in relation to my connection with other people in the community and my, my conversations with you and my, the, the welcoming that I receive for my, the products of my creative gifts. They're, and just the simple listening and being there and the fact that I can help to hold a space where new people coming in feel welcome and at home. There's just something really lovely about all of that. And when I'm doing my, my daily ritual or celebrating one of the Sabbaths around the wheel of the year, a lot of what I reflect on is that that sense of, okay, thank you. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think that, that those three big, those three bigs, the okay, thank you. And wow, are a good place to wrap up for today. Okay. Um, Okay. There's, 
There's so much more to be said about circumstances of adversity. And we're all feeling it, honestly. We've got COVID. We've got the rise of this tremendously mean-spirited right wing, which has infiltrated our Supreme Court and is threatening to take our rights away. We've got severe economic dislocation, and many people are really struggling economically, including me. We've got, we've got issues of systemic racism and systemic homophobia and systemic transphobia that continue to burn in our culture and stubbornly do not go away. There, there, there is adversity in the world. There, yeah. And it's, that's part of that okay. Yes. Yes. Not okay in that. I think this is acceptable. Yeah. We're not condoning it. (laughs) No, but okay. As in, yes, I recognize this is true. All right. Here it is. Yeah. Right. Now Now what what are we going to do? Yeah. 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 What, what, what can I do as an individual and Mm -hmm. what can I not? And the part that I can't, that's okay. Right. Not as a way of making an excuse to not be active, but but understanding that we're, again, we're part of this community. We're part of the system. We aren't the entirety of it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And when, I, I, I will say this, when contending with adversity that threatens your survival, it isn't reasonable to expect somebody to drop everything and go advocate on climate change. Mm-hmm. Because you have to eat you have to be sheltered you know you you have to take care of your family yeah we understand you know we understand all of that it goes to maslow's hierarchy of values and all that kind of stuff right Mm -hmm. creature and that includes humans will pursue its survival before it pursues other goals right and that is part of what is really challenging about the climate change issue because in late stage capitalism, where all the resources have been sucked up to the 1%, almost everybody is struggling and they don't have the bandwidth to address the crisis that's in front of us. Yeah, which so, ironically is what is going to make it a lot harder down the line for all of us. Yeah. Right. So um, kudos yeah. to everybody that is a climate activist. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you for all the work that you do and to the elected officials that are on the right side on that issue worldwide. But also, don't beat yourself up that you're not solving the world's problems when you have your own problems directly in front of you. Yeah, It's not helpful, and it's not kind to yourself. And if, if you don't take anything away from this podcast episode other than this, be kind to yourself. Yeah. So thank you, Yako. Thank you. Thanks for a good conversation. And, uh, and next week we will be back already with our, it'll be our solstice episode, right? Um, yeah. The midsummer episode. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Cause we always try and get it the week before. So it's not, the episode isn't coming out the day of, so that gives people right. time to kind of think and reflect on what they, what they want to do and all of that. So yeah, <laughs> we're halfway through. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, amazing. We've reflect, we've remarked on this before, how the last two years seem like they're simultaneously 30 years long and like they just went by in an eye blink. It's just yep. very <laughs> odd, weird. Anyway, folks, <laughs> thank we'll you so you much. Week. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.